Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is Ozbiz and this is also The Call. Ten stocks picked by you, two experts, all in one hour. It's Tuesday, the 1st of March. I'm Nadine Blaney. Now we have joining us today Mark Moreland from Team Invest and Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Good afternoon to you both. Henry, I'll start with you. In these volatile times, what's your strategy? Hi, Nadine. Hi, Mark. I think the strategy really is to stay nimble. We are seeing increased volatility, not just because of what's happening on the macro geopolitical front, but also because of reporting season as well. And it does seem that the algos have been very, very busy. And it is certainly sell first and analyze later. So I think you have to be nimble. I think it's also important to look at your leverage in this market and make sure that you're not too leveraged to moves. Uh, especially to the downside. It's good to have a cash buffer as well so that you're not forced to sell something uh, on a panic uh, to buy something else that looks attractive. So it's good to have that flexibility with your cash holdings to be able to uh, to pick away at some of the bargains that do crop up through this volatility. But certainly, you know, the market's looking a little bit of a better bet at the moment, although anything could happen and we've seen that before. But certainly we are being a little bit more sanguine about uh, overseas events at the moment, at least from a market perspective, which I guess is helpful. But, um, you know, reporting season was a pretty good outcome, I think, for Australian investors, especially with dividend generosity from a number of players. So I think just stay nimble, have some cash, uh, keep an eye on the risks and stick to your plan. Got it. Thank you, Mark. I'll put the same question to you. Uh, wealth winners, does that change at all? when we've got these volatile times, geopolitical risks, and uh, lots of nervousness as we you know, look at what's going on around the broader environment. Um, uh, actually, Nadine, it really doesn't make any difference to us. We're, because we're long-term investors at Team Invest, we, uh, we're looking at our returns over five to 10 years, and what we look for are opportunities to add to our position. So if you're investing in quality companies that have strong earnings growth and you trust the management and you understand the business models and they have strong moats, uh, this kind of uncertainty and disruption in the market with Ukraine and other and the other things uh, often gives us um, buying opportunities. And we do have a few at the moment. So really, uh, our, our focus is on staying calm, I suppose is the word. We're not trying to build up cash balances. I mean, some members maintain some cash in this environment on the basis though that they think they will be able to um, uh, get um, uh, they will be able to get some bargains potentially if we have a big drop. But the trouble is, um, the cash rate is negative, so you're actually losing money when you hold cash. So the longer you hold it, the worse your results are, unless you're lucky and you time it where you have the cash at the same time as the market has a major route, and then you invest it at the bottom, which is all sounds good in theory, but I never see anyone actually doing it. Anyone talks about it. Uh, so really, we just look at it as being we don't care about the market. What we're interested in is. Uh, of the companies that we like and have done the work on and understand, is there an opportunity to buy them now? Uh, or what does the price need to be for us to buy them to give us a predictable return where probability is very mm -hmm. much in our favour? And okay. most of our members, yeah. Yeah, yep, sorry. But that just right. leads into our stock of the day. So I'll put you on pause for a moment. Coming up okay. in the first half of the show, and Henry, I dare say we'll be talking about reporting season a bit. ResMed is uh, one of the companies nominated by our viewers, City Chic, Australian Finance Group, Mineral Resources, and Coden. So all of those companies covered in the next half hour. And to the point of the earlier discussion, I instead of picking a stock of the day and have both of these guys rate it, essentially, I noticed that uh, today we're seeing a lot of buying in the infotech space in particular. In fact, information technology is up by about 5%. Some of the biggest moves on this local market in terms of percentage point gains are companies that have been really beaten up 
2022 thus far because of volatility, because of inflation um, expectations, interest rate rise expectations. So you've got the likes of uh, you know, IDP Education, Tyro, EML, Kogan, Zero, all looking really strong today. So my question to you is, Henry Jennings, Marcus Today, <laughs> what would you be buying yeah. in this environment? What, what beaten up tech, high growth name, what are you buying? Uh, well, one that's not just been beaten up over the last little while, but it's also being beaten up today as well is a stock called Dubacorp. Uh, these guys re uh, provide recording facilities for companies. And it was kind of a big winner through COVID with, with its ability to morph into a, uh, a recording system for Zoom and out of uh, the office kind of phone calls as well. I mean, these are always used for training and purposes, as we know, when we phone up these call centers, etc. But for me, this one really has been whacked and it's been whacked 8% today. Uh, the prospects don't appear bad for this one, I have to say. I'm not sure why it's been whacked today. Maybe someone's downgraded uh, in terms of their price targets or in terms of their research on this one. Uh, we've also had the Zoom results out in the US and that did tank as well initially, but it did rebound. So uh, I'm not sure about this one, why it's fallen so hard today when, as you say, other stocks in the information technology space are going well. I think this one is a buy at these kind of levels. It's got plenty of cash. It's got over $100 million in cash, a market cap of around $300 million. Uh, Break-even points looking at early 2024, which is not that long away uh, to some extent. And the technology is still very, very good. Good customers as well. Annual recurring revenue is increasing. Uh, everything is pointing to uh, good times ahead. But the market is very much ignoring this one at the moment. So this is my tech stock that has been, I guess, uh, beaten up too badly. It has bounced a little from the bottom today, but uh, it's down 8% where you know, even the likes of PointsBet are up 10% uh, today. So I'm, uh, I'm quite keen on Dubacorp yeah, at this well, price. DUB is the stock code. $31.2 million loss reported in the half. Um, that's compared to a loss of $7.5 million a year earlier. Um, big share pace payments, large increase in business costs. Today, to answer your question, the price target has been cut 36% by Sean Partners to $2.67 per share. So it's sitting right now at $1.35. Uh, so there you go. That's Henry's beaten up buy of the day. What's your beaten up buy of the day, Mark Moreland from Team Invest? Um, can I give you two quick ones? Sure. Um, IRI, which is Integrated Research, um, this is a company that uh, we've known for a long time. They've had a very, very bad COVID. That's the best way to describe it. Although of our most of our companies had good COVIDs, meaning they performed well or did better than much better than expected during COVID. IRI is a global provider of monitoring systems for big, big banks and um, data centres and a whole range of. I think they have, I think they have six of the top. Uh, 10 financial institutions in the world as clients. Um, it has very strong moats, but they they had a very bad COVID with a shift to everybody uh, trying to set up their employees to work at home and so on. Um, and the way they bring their accounts to, um, their profit to account is they, uh, when they sign a contract for six years, it, they're shifting into a SaaS model at the moment, but currently they bring their earnings in straight away as profit, which a lot of these companies do. And what happened was a lot of their regular contracts and contract customers only renewed their contracts for a short period, which meant that their earnings have, on paper have dropped dramatically. However, their cash flow hasn't. So they've been really slammed. They're down from over $4 now down to about 70 odd cents. Uh, roughly, and we had a meeting with the CEO the other day, and it's not. This is not a lay down, Mazir. You're guaranteed to make a lot of money. Uh, we, we've got very mixed feelings about it in Team Invest. Um, I've actually bought some, but I would definitely consider it higher risk than anything we would normally do. Um, but if you want something, you know, it's definitely a, a tech company that uh, has had a very good history, even though it's had some management changes and so on, and it's it's. It's at a very low, very, very low price at the moment and its current PE is on 14 off on very on its reduced earnings. And the okay. other one quickly is MF, and the other quick one is uh, MFG Magellan. Um, it's also been a fabulous wealth winner for us. Magellan's returned 47% compound average return over the last 10 years up until this last drop um, with including dividends reinvested. So that's a total return. Uh, so it's been a spectacular investment for us. 
since the price has dropped down to $18 and so on, that cumulative total return for 10 years is still 32%. So in other words, if, as long as you bought it you know, ages ago, um, the return's been spectacular because it's paid very good dividends. It's currently down at a PE, I think, of seven uh, at the moment, MFG, and I think it's dramatically oversold. Uh, there's an expectation they're going to lose more uh, funds under management, which they will, but I don't believe it'll be anything like the market's priced in. And we're showing it uh, returning uh, high double-digit returns from here going forward on a margin of safety on our most conservative setting. So this is a, for me, Magellan is a far lower risk compared to IRI, uh, but I think they'll both do really well. Well, interesting, because just today we do have uh, UBS out with a note. It's got a sell on the company. Target price of $15.40. It points out those funds under management declining. It points out the yep. fact that Morningstar has double downgraded the fund to bronze. Um, again, talking about the outflows and um, yep. yeah, really interesting because yep. Magellan is dividing the market right now. And uh, UBS for one is still anticipating more of those fund outflows. Why yeah. would it? Yeah. I think they, they the advantage of the, with, of course, with the market is the last thing we want is a consensus view. In fact, when the consensus is negative, it's usually wrong. So not always, but usually. So we make our own judgments based on the facts as we see them. So uh, I, as far as the um, the other uh, brokers and so on having a negative view, I'm not surprised. Yeah, interesting sort of a, though, because yeah. there's a lot of people out there that would say, why wouldn't you wait till you see those funds under management start to increase before you would put I'll, I'll you, a buy on it? The reason is when you if you wait, you won't be able to buy it at these prices because the market's forward-looking. So it'll it'll it's like the travel business. When we had the uh, corporate travel and flight center dropped up by about 80% on COVID, nobody waited for the planes to start flying again. Within three months, they were back to where they were prior to COVID starting, and they're still losing money. So that's the problem. You can't. The theory sounds good. Let's wait till we see the businesses look doing well. But by the time that happens, the price is back up, and it'll be yeah. back at 30 or 50 dollars by then. Okay, well, I don't want to consume all of our chat with Magellan, but I know everybody out there is always saying, why don't you just get some buys from your guests? So I've just done that. Two from Mark Moreland and one from Henry Jennings. All right, let's get to the companies that have been nominated by you, our viewers. Uh, we, we love getting these in. And the first stock has been picked by Kim, and it is ResMed. So result is in gross margin falling, higher supply chain constraints, freight costs, etc. but double-digit product growth. Mark, is this a high-quality company? Uh, it is definitely a high-quality company. Um, it's a company we've liked for a long time. Um, it's in the, this is in the sleep apnea place particularly, and uh, they, their main, one of their main competitors is um, Philips, which is uh, it's a subsidiary of Philips, which have had a massive recall and have been taken out of the market, looks like, for a year through... Uh, a product failure. This has been very good for ResMed and Fisher and Paykel. Uh, Fisher and Paykel is by far our preferred choice, but ResMed has done very, very well uh, over a very long period of time, and it, it passes all our metrics. Uh, the only negative with it is um, it's on a P at the moment of 67, which is very, very high. Um, so I would be reluctant to consider that buying that when their earnings are growing at about 9.5% average. If you look at Fisher and Paykel by comparison, it is FPH, isn't it? FPH, can't remember the code. Uh, Fisher and Parkell is on a, uh, a PE of 30, so it's half of ResMed, and that's in the green of the PE, which is the bottom quartile. And as a consequence, we're showing it returning much, much higher return uh, per year than, um, than uh, ResMed. Okay, so quite, prefer quite, quite Fisher and Paykel in that. But um, Henry, if I look at the chart, uh, ResMed is well off the highs that it's seen over the past year. Is it a buying opportunity today? Uh, well, I guess it's had a bit of a free kick from Philips with that recall there to do with the foam. But the great thing about ResMed, I guess, at the moment is they're bringing in a new model and that uh, always pushes things along. Uh, one of the big growth avenues, of course, is the masks and, and the sort of the accessories that go along with their machines. The machines themselves are pretty much uh, standard and they're pretty much the same price if you go and buy one uh, they always cost about 1500 bucks amazingly enough that doesn't matter whether it's a ResMed machine or Fisher and Paykel machine or whether it's a Philips machine uh, or there's another range as well of, of some of the other competitors so I think this one is is definitely for me a hold here uh, we had it in one of our portfolios and I got out above 39 bucks and, and was pretty happy to do so I had a big run 
and uh, just looked a bit toppy. I think it's got potential to push higher as the supply chain issues uh, maybe uh, fall away. And also we see a return to people being diagnosed in the US with uh, these sorts of issues with sleep apnea. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a hold from me, but uh, not exactly exciting, although it is, I guess, defensive and safe in this environment that we're seeing at the moment. So it's got, got probably a little bit of upside. Got it. Thank you. Let's get on to number two on the list. This is about City Chic, CCX for Peter. Hi, Peter. Um, he's saying, was the share price impacted by the cash flow statement only? And I believe he's referring to the most recent report that came through. Sales cash conversion disappointing. Is the business still fundamentally sound? Has the market overreacted and thus presenting a good entry point? Um, yeah, so inventory has built up. And they've done that on purpose to mitigate some of those supply chain issues. Henry, is cash is um, City Chic a buy? Um, I, I think it got beaten up really badly, and I'm not sure it was justified, to be honest. I tend to agree with, with Peter in this one, uh, that it has got beaten up badly, and it looks interesting. It really has failed to bounce, and it's looking like it's going to test that $3.60 level again. Uh, clearly, they've built up inventory. They've pretty much run down cash by half. Uh, in buying clothing uh, and the hope I guess is that they can shift this and that uh, they've got all the sizes and all the right colors but that is the concern I guess is that uh, they have uh, to get rid of that stock so um, I'm not sure it's out of the woods yet but certainly I'd rather be a buyer at 360 370 than a seller here and I think they have been over um, over punished to be honest I, I, I think they're due for a bit of a bounce so for me it is a buy Thank you, Mark Moreland. Um, look, inventory has built up, but uh, will we see that moderate going forward? Is it a risky strategy given you know, the propensity for people to be interested in fast fashion? Um, what do you think? They're, they're anticipating they'll have a better second half. Oh, we're not hearing you, Mark. I'm not sure if you're on mute. Nope, still not hearing you there. We'll move on to the next company and we'll get back to you as soon as we can, Mark. Let's get on to stock number three, and that is AFG. We've lost them all together. Australian Finance Group, if you can hear me, AFG is the ticker code. This one is for Bruce, who says it's looking pretty cheap on a low PE, has above average return on equity, double digit growth forecasts, and a good dividend. He says, and this is key, I am an income investor. Am I missing something as the market doesn't seem to like it? Henry, do you like AFG? It's trying to improve its mix to some of those higher margin products, but we know that uh, you know margins have been under such pressure in this space. What do you think? Uh, they have been under pressure, and I guess this is a, a classic kind of sentiment stock as well. Lots of refinancing, lots of remortgaging, uh, lots of housing activity, whether that remains, uh, we shall see. I noticed today that Sydney house prices have recorded their first fall since uh, since uh, Robert Whitlam, I suspect. So um, it's um, I, I can't get excited about this one. It's it's really hard to get excited about a mortgage broking business. It's got a big book. It's good for the uh, the income investor, yes, but it has been on a bit of a slippery slope, and I suspect we are going to see a bit of a sentiment issue with this one going forward if we do see problems on the housing front as. Uh, things slow down and we see rising rates. Maybe that will force more people into uh, fixing mortgages and more people into refinancing. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, I think that the housing market is slowing. Uh, I think the banks are getting their act together a little more in terms of direction uh, and, and being direct with uh, their, their borrowers rather than going through brokers. ANZ have clearly had some issues in terms of uh, their mortgage side of things. And Macquarie's getting quite aggressive in that space as well. So I, I don't know. It's just a very competitive space, I have to say. You know, it's, it's, the margins are thin, and there's also always the possibility that we will see those residual kind of uh, percentages that the mortgage brokers get uh, come under pressure again. So it's really not for me, this one. Uh, if you haven't got it, I wouldn't be looking at it. If you have got it, well, you're probably holding it for income, but uh, that's probably the only reason why you'd hold it. Okay, so not buying in if you're not in it already. 
Mark, I believe we've got you again. We will continue on with AFG because that's where we're at. Um, yeah, there's got lower net interest margin forecasts, higher expense forecasts coming through, but looking to shift to higher more margin loans. Is the operating environment just too tough now for AFG? It did so well through the pandemic when everybody was excited about housing and refinancing and, and the rest of it. Still not hearing Mark Moreland from Team Invest. We'll have to leave that there. Okay, continuing on. Looks like it's me and you, Henry. Let's have a bit of fun. Next oh, well, on the list, Mineral Resources is M-I-N for David. Now, David has given us a bit of context as well. He says that it's had plenty of positive announcements over the past six months. He is wondering if the market is too short-term focused on mineral resources being iron ore, and um, I guess mining services as well. He points out that it's got um, uh, looking to get some big exposure to lithium hydroxide, which is currently commanding more on the market than spotamine. So um, with the guidance for iron ore to double in the next two years, uh, David really wants to know what you think about mineral resources. What do you think? I mean, the most recent result was really damaged by costs, and a lot of that is relating to transport and shipping costs, which we're told will be transitory. Uh, the wonderful word transitory, Nadine. We know how transitory That's transitory is. That's worked out is. well for us, hasn't uh, I it, guess so the, far? It's worked out absolutely beautifully. Um, I, I guess with mineral resources, there were two things that were wrong with the, the results. Uh, two big things really were wrong with the results. One is that they were not getting the high prices that we've seen for iron ore. They're still getting uh, a biggish discount to, uh, to the prices that others are getting because the quality of their product is not particularly uh, great compared to the likes of uh, BHP and Rio. And the other problem is that they also didn't get any benefit from these high lithium prices. Uh, whereas somebody, somebody like Pilbara, for instance, has been doing quite well in the spot market for lithium. All this big sort of optimism and this big money that's flowing into the lithium at the moment and big prices we're seeing, they kind of missed out on it. Now, the question, I guess, is whether this is transitory or whether it is baked in. I think this is transitory and they will get their act together. Uh, costs are not something that they can necessarily do much about given rising fuel costs across the board. You know, we're seeing uh, oil above 100 bucks, but it has been seriously walloped this one. Uh, I think, again, it's probably unnecessarily and probably overdone on the downside. I don't mind this one. It had a massive, massive run from sort of 37 bucks to 54 bucks, and it was languishing for a long time. It is volatile, and I think that, uh, you know, it clearly got toppy at 54. But at 44, I just get the feeling this has been really overdone to the downside, that uh, the, the lithium price is not going down. We are seeing upgrades uh, from a number of players. We saw it from Alchem today, upgraded their guidance as far as their forecasts go for lithium as well. So at some stage, they are going to be able to tap in to these elevated prices. It just wasn't in the past, hoping it will be in the future. So for me, this is a buy and this does look cheap at the moment. Um, and when we talk about mineral resources, we're always talking about management and how competent and capable they are. Um, so again, yeah. does that give you faith in the long-term outlook, even though we know that iron ore prices will come back? They've proved very resilient so far in 2022. Uh, yeah, I think management, you know, with any company, management is absolutely crucial. Uh, you need to be backing people that can do the job. Uh, Chris Ellison has been uh, pretty good at doing the job, to say the least. You know, he's the, you know, there's Twiggy and there's Chris Ellison in the w, in WA in terms of uh, that mining space. There, self-made uh, men doing extraordinarily well with their companies. So, for me, Mineral Resources does have the management skill, and it's just been a question of timing, I think, and some of the events that are out of their hands. I mean, it, it's. You know, it's, it's hard at the moment for any WA company with the uh, the borders closed, staffing issues, pressures there because of uh, getting people on site, FIFO, etc. So it's not been an easy environment for these companies to operate in. But I think as, as WA reopens, some of those cost pressures come out of the system and it starts to get the benefit of higher iron ore prices. And let's face it, if we, if we do see uh, Ukraine, Russia really uh, uh, kick off, that will have a bit of an impact on iron ore prices as well because that does take 
around 70 million tonnes of iron ore. It's not huge in the big scheme of things, but it does take some of that out of the system. So that will keep iron ore prices boiling away, I suspect. So for me, this is still, a, you know, Chris Ellison has been a class act. It's a timing issue, a cost issue, and I think both of those will get sorted in time. Thanks, Henry. I'm told that we've got Mark Moreland from Team Invest back. Mark, one more try. Mineral resources, that's where we're up to. Buy, hold, or sell for the team at Team Invest. I know you don't like the miners, but um, for our viewers out there who are interested in the iron ore and lithium story, is this a good bet? Now, three strikes, you're out. Sorry, hopefully you can come into the studio sometime soon, Mark. Uh, we'll leave that one there. So that is a buy coming from Team, uh, sorry, from Marcus today for mineral resources, which is cheap. Okay, Coden is next on the list. It is number five. Uh, so this is coming from Malcolm. Malcolm, thanks for the request. He says, to my inexpert eye, its recently released financial reports were good, but the share price has been hammered. Please explain. Now, this is a chart that is not crash hot. If we bring it up on screen now, uh, it has really suffered. And we often get people questioning whether it's a buy because um, of the area that it operates in. It's got some good technology. In its most recent report, it talked about acquisitions with DTC and Zetron ahead of targets um, and saying that they're confident in the ability to grow future profitability in both of those recent acquisitions. So pray tell, what is going on here? This former market <laughs> darling has sort of fallen in a heap. Uh, it has, Nadine. I've got to say, I made a schoolboy error, and uh, I, I thought that this one looked cheap after the big fall that we saw back uh, earlier, well, back in 2021 now, back when it fell from around 13 bucks to around 10 bucks in, uh, in late October. So I, I mistakenly decided that this was, uh, this was cheap. You know, it has the exposure and the leverage to the gold price, which I, I quite like the gold price as a hedge uh, and, you know, the metal detectors, all that sort of stuff. And of course, the communication side as well. But it has been, I guess it, it, it's really part of this downgrade cycle kind of environment where you get one downgrade and it just continues to roll through. And it's hard to break that nexus. It's hard to get a catalyst to the upside and the latest results while I thought they were okay, the market hated them again and once again pushed them down. One of the problems I suspect was full year guidance wasn't given uh, and that uh, there was some uncertainty within the company about the outlook, which is never particularly, um, doesn't build a lot of confidence in investors. And this has been on a slippery slope. I, I still look at the figures and shake my head and think, you know what, this one still looks cheap, but you know, I have made the schoolboy error and gone way, way, way too early and I have been suffering ever since, you know, down 25% mm -hmm. since I bought it. Um, the question is, of course, whether it will make a, a, a Lazarus-like comeback. And I'm holding on for the time being, but it's more a fingers crossed and a hope holding on than anything else. But I think if you're looking at this one and you, again, you know, that there's, there's a lot of things to like about this. There are two recent acquisitions uh, do seem to be starting to kick some goals, which is a positive. And... The background, the, the kind of the story with uh, with metal detecting and communication is not a bad story. It may be that it's been sliding because of the tech problems that we're seeing across the board. But, you know, other tech stocks are bouncing and this one isn't. So, yeah, I think it partly is the downgrade cycle, partly disappointment, partly the full year guidance issue with the company. But uh, I'm going to hold on, cross my fingers and hope that it can get back to 10 bucks. But um at the moment, it looks a little bit of a forlorn hope. It's more hope than science, I think, okay. this one for me. So because we have a bit of time on our hands, Henry, let me uh, yeah. just uh, you know get ahead of some of the emails I'm going to get from some of our regular viewers. Yeah. Zach, I love your emails. And he's saying, I answered an earlier question from him, or you did. He's saying, could you ask the expert guests if they or their organization are holding some of the companies that are being featured and talked about. So you're saying you, you have bought Coden and you are holding, even though it has been a very tough lesson for you so far. The next email I'm gonna get in is asking me, or you, why would you hold on to a stock if it's in a downgrade cycle? Why wouldn't you just sell it and get out? Why, why hold on? Why not just sell? 
That is a, a, an excellent question, Nadine. Um, and that comes, I guess, down to a certain amount of stubbornness, certain amount of, of trying to swim against the tide, which sometimes um, it's important to do. Sometimes the market is not always right. Uh, going back to what Mark was saying about Magellan and how uh, you know it was in that uh, the consensus was um, was actually negative all the way down from 55 bucks to 18 bucks. And you know, fighting consensus sometimes is um, is really not a good thing to do. With this one, I'm I'm still I'm still hopeful, but uh, you know, Zach is right. Why hold some losing positions? This is this was never really a short-term trade. This was may, maybe a long-term thematic. This was maybe for me when I entered it back in October, a uh, a play on the gold price. Also, the numbers around then, I thought it had been overdone to the downside. Turned out that it was just the beginning. And you think at my age, Nadine, that I would not fall for schoolboy errors, that I wouldn't be stubborn, that I would cut things. But sometimes if, if you have some sort of faith in the story and some faith in the numbers, then it comes good eventually. Um, it's not all about short-term trading sometimes, mm -hmm. and you do have to look sometimes beyond the downgrade cycle because, you know, we certainly in this market, we see that uh, momentum has a large part to play in it. Even today, we're up 105 points. I mean, where did that come from, really? We were up 21 points in, in the SPY futures, uh, and, you know, we've had no particularly great news uh, from overseas. It's just we haven't had too much bad news, I guess. So. Momentum is very important in markets at the moment. It does tend to push to the upside and push to the downside more than uh, I've probably seen for a long, long time. And I think this one has momentum going against it, but at some stage that momentum will change. Uh, if I was smart, I would have cut it uh, at nine bucks and taken my medicine, but here we are, it's probably too late to cut. And uh, I'm not gonna add to it here because that, uh, that can be a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. But certainly I am watching it and hoping that uh, it uh, will sort of go through that downgrade cycle and we will see it perk up. Okay. Um, yeah, to, to your broader point about the market overall, every sector, save for utilities, is trading well into positive territory at this stage of the game on this uh, on this Tuesday afternoon, I mean, Infotech is up by five and a half percent, which is exactly why I was asking, you know, what beaten down tech name or high yeah. growth name would you buy in particular? It's pretty incredible. Uh, the resilience that we're seeing. Square is up, uh, Novanix, Tyro, EML, zero. Um, yeah, interesting times out there. Um, look, Henry, yeah. really and well and truly, get yourself a glass of water because you and I have a bit of time to spend together this afternoon. Let me summarize the first five stocks plus the stock of the day. Now, I'd rather it was over lunch, but I'll take it. Okay, buys of the day. Uh, Mark Moreland from Team Invest picked Integrated Research, said it's been beaten up, but it's been a good company uh, through COVID, and he expects that it will come good as well. Magellan, so a bit controversial there, really dividing opinion at this stage of the game. Magellan was uh, Mark Moreland's buy of the day, a beaten up buy. He likes going against the grain. He says when all the other brokers have a sell on it, that's exactly when it potentially becomes more interesting to the mates at Team Invest. Um, Henry Jennings, beaten up stock, and it is getting beaten up today, even apart from those dynamics I was talking about in the infotech space. It is his pick of the day. He would buy it. It's got a target price, a slash coming from Sean Partners today, but he likes the company and he would be buying. Now, on to the companies that you nominated. And just to remind you, that is ResMed first up. Uh, look, Mark Moreland from Team Invest says that it's trading on a P of 67. That is very high in that space. He would prefer official Fisher and Paykel. It is a hold for Henry Jennings. Why? Because it is dynamic and safe in this uncertain environment. It's not exactly shooting the lights out nor exciting, but it is a good business. City Chic was the next one on the list. This one was from Peter. Uh, Henry Jennings says that, look, it's not quite out of the woods yet, but it is looking very oversold. And if you have confidence that management can execute on their strategy, particularly when it came to the building up of that inventory, it is a buy now. It is a cheap company. Australian Finance Group, Henry Jennings says that it's a hold if you are in it for income, which is what Bruce did tell us. 
is his style of investing. So AFG would not be a buy if you're not in it uh, because Henry sees potentially a bit of cooling happening in the property market. Yes, maybe people will be refinancing as we start to see interest rates rise. However, if you're looking at the broader macro environment, the real heat has come out of this story. So uh, it's a hold, but only for income. And then that brings us to mineral resources. Uh, it's a buy for Henry Jennings. He has confidence in management and its ability to execute. He looks at the commodities picture overall and how even these recent geopolitical tensions will play into price, and that includes iron ore. So he says it's overdone to the downside. It looks cheap, and it is a buy from him. Now, Coden, and this is for Malcolm. Thanks for writing in, Malcolm, and I'll do my daily reminder that this is information only. It's not tailored to your own personal financial circumstances, so you do need to get advice. Do your own research uh, before you take any of these recommendations on board. Information only. This is a hold for Henry. He's been burned. He's learned a schoolboy lesson. Perhaps it's a bit of stubbornness. Perhaps it's a bit of hope, and I know that hope is not an investment strategy, but he is holding on for some sort of Lazarus-like comeback. Uh, perhaps the problem with its result was that it didn't provide guidance, but it is, in Henry's view, looking cheap right now. Not cheap enough to buy because it needs to prove itself going forward from here, but he's not selling because he sees the real dynamic at play, potentially as well as being momentum. So he is holding i don't know if he's a happy holder but he is holding at this time so that's coden for you malcolm at cmc we've been in the game for a while and although a lot of things have changed our mentality hasn't we aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools plus our pricing is completely transparent that's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time so if you're serious about trading switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years trade cfds your way at cmcmarkets.com you don't own underlying assets consider relevant pds and tmd or information memorandum for cmc pro accounts at our website now, these are our next stocks suggested by you. West Farmers is on the list, Hutchinson Telecommunications, Dicker Data, Bank of Queensland, and KNS Corporation. So, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today is here with me. Let's get straight to it, shall we, Henry? West Farmers, and this is a question for Jason. And he is specific in saying, is this the pick as compared with Kohl's? And Woolies, of course, West Farmers is always lumped in with some of those consumer staples names for good reason. But West Farmers is a different beast. So is it even a, a starting point to say West Farmers or Coles or Woolies? Uh, Nadine, I, I don't think it is anymore. Obviously, it's, it's a very different company these days. This is this is now morphed into an old style conglomerate. Uh, that's not a word that we uh, we hear very often in the stock market anymore, but it has morphed into that. It's got a big chemicals business. It's got lithium exposure. It's going to have a chemist and pharmacy business. It's got Kmart and it's got Bunnings, of course, both of which were the reason why this stock sold off after results, because both disappointed, which, you know, that there's a few things in life that guarantee death and taxes uh, are two of them. And you would have thought Bunnings would be the third in that the sausage sizzle the the, the middle-aged man with the with the apron on scuttling away like a cockroach as soon as you ask them for a question you would think that was just one of life's certainties but apparently it isn't and bunnings and kmart really suffered uh, i guess through the last sort of uh, knockings of omicron and COVID, and as a result the share price has fallen away but I, I don't mind it. I've got to say, it's, a, it, it's hard to get your head around this one, I guess, in some respects, because of the chemical side of things, because of the chemists, uh, the API takeover as well. But you would have to say that uh, once, we, once we're out and about again, uh, the Kmart and the Bunning story will resume their uh, trajectory. And maybe that was just transitory. Uh, and the chemical business has shown the resilience of the conglomerate model, if you like. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how API fits into all of this, uh, because of uh, it now offers an, another kind of um, another kind of uh, part of the five ring circus, I guess, that uh, that has become Westfield. Rob Scott is a very very shrewd operator. I, I think the lithium kicker has been a bit overlooked as well. Remember they took over Kidman Resources some time ago, um, and that um, that I think is overlooked. I'd be a buyer here. I have to say that the damage is done. And uh, I think this is a buy. 
Um, and the company is saying that it's willing to sacrifice margins for the business as competition intensifies. Supply chain pressures are expected to persist. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting one, West Farmers, right now. Uh, so there we go, death taxes and DIY. You heard it from Henry Jennings <laughs> at Marcus today. Let's get on to number seven on the list. So this is HTA for Paul Hutchinson Telecommunications. If you, if you recall, it merged with Vodafone. And so it's now Vodafone Hutchison Australia. Um, it also has a 25% equity interest in TPG Telecom Limited. Look, I'm not overly familiar with Hutchinson Telecommunications other than the context that it's always spoken in, um, which I've just mentioned. So what do you think of it as an investment opportunity, Henry? Uh, um, Nadine, I'm sorry that this isn't an investment opportunity at all. This is 97.9% owned by two big shareholders, Hutchinson and one other, it's it never trades. I think every time I've looked at it, it's between eight and 10 cents. And uh, it, it really is not a stock that appears on my radar. Every now and then it'll have a 20% move up or a 20% move down only because someone's actually uh, taken the effort to pay the bid or, or hit the offer. So um, no, th th this is just one of those stocks. Liquidity is always something that you need to take into account with stocks and getting in and getting out and, and minimal movement. You don't want to be buying you know, $20,000 worth and pushing the stock price up 10% to do that. Uh, and equally, if you wanted to sell in a hurry, you don't want to be pushing it down 5% to get out. So that that, that friction there is, is really just too much in this one. It is just basically a compliance listing, really and truly. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't see any reason to be either buying this one or selling this one or even looking at this one, to be honest. It really is. An, you know, it's just not um, not one that I'd look okay. at. Paul, that's a, a, a look away from Henry. Uh, let's get to the next one on the list. Ticker data was just out yesterday, I think it was, with its results. This is for Guy. DDR is the ticker code. Look, it's been acquisitive. It had a record year. It did not provide guidance. Um, but again, this is one of those founder-led companies that has flown under the radar of many investors but has actually done really well and has done well through COVID as well. What do you think about Dicker data? Um, I've been long, I've, this is one that actually I've got right. Sometimes I do get them right, Nadine, <laughs> amazingly. Um, but this is, this is one that I actually got right. And the results were good. It's been doing pretty well. Uh, as you say, it's a founder-led company and it has been doing well. Distribution of uh, software and the IT side of things, we've got total revenue was up 24%, net profit was up 28.6%. Uh, everything was going in the right direction, I've got to say. Uh, we've seen uh, a kick again today after the results, so I don't mind this one. I'm really happy to continue to hold this. Uh, I guess there's, um, you know, it's probably running into some, uh, some sort of um, resistance around 16 bucks, but um, again, it's not the most highly uh, liquid of stocks, but uh, you know it's up five percent today. The day after results, I'm pretty happy with this one, and I'm going to stick with this. This is a hold, but if it got to 16 bucks, I think you should probably take a few profits uh, on it after the run that it would have had. Yeah, well, it's okay. So to our, our broader conversation, it's up by five. Well, pretty yeah. close to six percent right now. Fourteen dollars and eighty-four. It's a hold for you. We are in volatile times. There is very likely going to be a day where we see the tech space come under pressure again, irrespective of results and outlooks and everything else. What price would you be willing to buy into Dicker Data, Henry? Um, I mean, looking at the charts, around 13 bucks would be a good price. That was only a dollar eighty ago, only a couple of days ago. Really, it's up 70 cents today. So around 13 bucks, I think that sort of range, 13 bucks to 16 bucks, would probably be. The trading range for this one and, and you're right Nadine we are going to have uh, more volatility that that's for sure uh, this isn't going to go away this is going to plague the market for a while we've also got the Ides of March coming up uh, the middle of this month of course where the most important event financially is the Federal Reserve and what they do with uh, with rates and that will certainly be the, the driving force regardless of what's happening in, in the Ukraine uh, for the market and we've seen the US market and our market bounce strongly on the hope and the feeling I guess that maybe the, the, the current uh, geopolitical issues are going to make central banks a little less hawkish 
and maybe stay their hand a little bit. Uh, that remains to be seen. Of course, that could be complete tosh, and we may see that 50 basis point rise from the Fed. But, uh, you know, we are going to see increased volatility, and it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show, talking about this, at least my strategy and our strategy in terms of, uh, you know, keeping calm, as Mark said, but also having a cash buffer so that you can take advantage of the days when things do get a little rough. Uh, and also, I guess, um, you know, I'm an old options trader. I like to sell into strength and buy into weakness because that's how um, options traders and derivatives traders tend to roll. We tend to be long volatility and, and you've got to feed the turkeys while they gobble, as my old boss used to say. So, um, sorry. <laughs> um, but, um, you, you know, uh, <laughs> Um, you know, you, you've got to, you know, days like today, we're up 100 points out of nowhere. And I think it's mm. really short covering. And the fact that, you know, there is no bad news. Uh, you know, sometimes no bad news is as good as, you know, good news. So uh, we, we haven't seen an escalation. We haven't seen anything bad happening. And the market breathes a sigh of relief and pushes up. And I think Dicadada has got potential to push higher. But, you know, it will be volatile. Yeah. Okay, um, Bank of Queensland is next on the list, BOQ for Emma. It always comes down to a regional versus big bank story. Um, but in that higher interest rate environment, which you've just been alluding to, do you believe that banks will outperform? Do you believe that regional banks have more opportunity to do so? I've got to say, Nadina, I'm never a big fan of the regional banks, only because, you know, when the big boys squabble and you see the big four fighting for market share, you see a more aggressive Macquarie. I mean, how many ads have I seen for Macquarie in terms of getting a home loan from Macquarie? It's extraordinary. Um, you know, when the big boys fight, the little boys tend to get pushed aside. I don't know what effect the floods in Queensland are going to have also on, on Bank of Queensland. Uh, that could have, uh, I guess, positive and negative effects on them. But I prefer to stick with the big ones because they have big budgets. It's all about IT. It's all about technology. It's all about fighting off fintechs. Rising interest rates do help the banks. There's no doubt that it does help their margins. But there is kind of a sweet spot, I guess. Uh, it helps in the margins, but you don't want them too high. It's kind of Goldilocks. You don't want them too hot that it actually discourages people from, from going to the banks and borrowing money. So there, there is kind of a sweet spot. It can't stay at these record lows forever. And we are going to see higher rates. Whether that helps Bank of Queensland, uh, it should do. But I think other banks will probably do slightly better, especially the big guys. It's just a very competitive world out there for home loans. And this is, I guess, a bit like a, a, a regional building society on a grand scale. But uh, it, it's... It's just hard to compete with the likes of CBA when they're on song and they're spending money on IT and they've got all the snappy uh, apps, etc. And, and banks tend to be sticky. So, um, yeah, it's. I think there's others I'd play in. I'd probably mm -hmm. even go towards the, the play on Macquarie at the moment because it has been sold off quite considerably since its results. Yeah. So uh, Bank of Queensland is a sell for you or a hold if you've got it? Oh, it's it's a hold. I've had a few buys. I haven't had too many sells, um, but it's I think it's a hold at the moment just because of the competition that's out there. Okay, last one on the list is K&S Corporation. KSC is the ticker code. This is for Leon. Thanks, Leon, for bringing this to our attention, my attention at least. I don't know the company, but it is leading provider of transport and logistics solutions in Australia and New Zealand. I can only imagine that Leon is asking about this company because, of course, we've got all of these pressures being put on supply chains. Presumably, there's some money to be made in that business. It is a small cap, but what do you think? Henry Jennings, Marcus, today. Did someone say KSC? Um, I have to... Oh, that was that was terrible, wasn't it? Sorry, Nadine. Um, I, I hadn't heard of this one at all until it popped up uh, on today's show, I, I must admit. Again, it's a bit like Hutchinson in some respects. It just doesn't trade. It's got a couple of big shareholders. Scott Group owns 56%. We've got uh, Fox Group owns 13%. I've no doubt that it's a good business. I've no doubt that it's, it's a potentially good way to play the logistics game. But it just doesn't trade enough. It's just too illiquid. And not only is it illiquid, but it also has you know, a relatively big spread. So you know, it's, if, if a stock is 10 cents to 10.5 cents, 
and it's a liquid, that's not the end of the world. You're not giving away too much if you have to buy at the offer and sell at the bid. But this one, you've got a bid of $1.66 and an offer at $1.75. So if you paid $1.75 and then you changed your mind and wanted to sell, you're instantly uh, going to be in a bit of a hole. So it doesn't really qualify on that filter in terms of liquidity. I, no doubt the business is good. No doubt there was a great reason to, to list the business. Uh, I'm sure it's uh, fantastic for the staff to see their share price and be able to, to transact, which is why many of these businesses with big founding holdings or, or big shareholders do list because it becomes a compliance listing for companies. It means that the staff can actually transact. There's a, a transparency as well to the share price, which is good, makes everyone feel better about working for a KNS Corporation. But in terms of investing in the market for this one, just no. You know, if, if you want to be in the logistics game, there, there's really one that stands out, and it has been a stunningly brilliant performer, is uh, Goodman Group, which not only has the warehousing, the logistics businesses, uh, it also is a massive landlord mm -hmm. uh, of some of the high-tech businesses. I was up at one of their facilities in uh, Macquarie Park recently, just next to your old uh, building up in, um, in Sky from many years ago. And, um, you know, the, these guys... Are at the forefront of logistics. Mm -hmm. If if you wanted to play that, there's there's other ways to play it than than a stock that is basically so illiquid, big spreads, doesn't trade. That's just Got the it. reality of the world. All right. So that is KNS for Leon. Let's run you through what uh, Henry's made of these most recent companies that were nominated. West Farmers. It is a buying opportunity. Death taxes. MDIY. Hutchinson Telecommunication is just too illiquid. It's not even an, an investable proposition for Henry for Marcus today. Dicker Data is a different story. Look, he's holding it. He would be buying it at about $13. Keep in mind, there will be further volatility, particularly in the tech space. And you know when we see some of those high growth names in the US, the NASDAQ getting sold down, uh, it indiscriminately transfers into the infotech space in our market as well. So watch for a buying opportunity. But today, as it's up by about 5%, it is a hold for Henry. Bank of Queensland, he will always side with the big boys. That's where you need to be if you're in the banking space. It's all about tech, the race for tech, and really tough competitive space. So Bank of Queensland is a hold if you have it, it is not a buy. And same story with Hutchinson for KNS. You just heard Henry talking about it. It's just, it's a trap if you get in it. It doesn't trade, no doubt it's a good business, but he would prefer if you want to be leveraged to the logistics and supply chain story to go to Goodman Group, lots of those big industrial distribution centers in operation and likely to be built. Well, that was a bit of fun. Henry Jennings for Marcus today. Thank you as again for all of your insights. And sorry you had to go it alone there, but um, we got there in the end. Thank you. My pleasure, Nadine. Always happy to go it alone. Okay. Well, we'll see you in studio soon as well. How about that? And any stocks you would well. like us to cover, flick us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au, or you can tweet to us at ausbiztv. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.